Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Aaron Senedella from Smart Investment Group. Welcome back, Aaron. You came episode 32 and 128. Thank you again. Thanks for coming back. Hey, Rama. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to chat with you and uh, hopefully help your listeners uh, understand real estate investing and multifamily investing in particular a little bit better. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. A little bit about Aaron. Aaron, founder of Spark Investment Group, is a real estate expert with more than four decades of experience, including 35 years as a realtor navigating the unique real estate landscape in Silicon Valley, California. During that time, Aaron invested in real estate ranging from single-family homes and fix and flips to land subdivisions and condominium conversions to conversions to commercial multifamily properties. Through these experiences, he developed a passion for helping others achieve their own financial freedom through investing in multifamily real estate syndications. Through Spark Investment Group, Aaron is putting his decades of real estate expertise to work for his clients, helping them reach their goals, attain the lives they have always wanted to live. So with that, Aaron, you want to add anything to your background? Uh, no, I think you covered most of it. Uh, been in real estate all my life, uh, Silicon Valley, moved to Greenville, South Carolina about eight years ago, started heavily investing in multifamily say about three years ago, and I do both smaller joint venture deals and larger syndication deals. Um, so real estate is pretty much what I've done my entire adult life. And uh, over those 40 plus years, I've been through kind of numerous economic cycles and uh, we're starting to enter a different cycle now. So I think our little chat is uh, appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned you worked on small JVs and also large syndications. So what do you like? Which one is uh, your preferable now? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I like both. Basically, I believe strongly in multifamily investing and uh, I'm a buyer of apartment buildings. And I think Apartment buildings of any size are excellent assets. And so for me, uh, I don't so much have requirements around unit count or, or so forth. It's more kind of the market, the, 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 the fundamentals of the deal and so forth. So if I can find a good smaller property, I'm certainly willing to buy that. And with the smaller property, the equity requirement is lower so you can buy it with maybe four or five investors and um, where with the syndication purchases they're typically larger buildings more expensive the capital raise is larger so you need to kind of pull more investors together it could be 30 50 100 150 investors and so as the number of investors increases, the syndication model works better. And uh, so I enjoy both. 
Um, just kind of a matter of what fits best for any particular property uh, is kind of determines the direction I go in. Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like every model have different advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Thank you for covering that. And like uh, we we discussed like maybe eight, nine months back. So how do you see market like you no know, last eight, eight, like eight or nine months? The next eight to nine months or? Uh, last eight to nine. The, the last eight to nine. Okay, excellent. So the last eight to nine months, multifamily has been extremely bullish. Cap rates have continued to decrease. Cost per unit, cost per door has continued to uh, increase accordingly. Rents are still going up very strong. So the last eight to nine months in multifamily has still been kind of a boom market, still very competitive, lots of capital, lots of investors looking for these multifamily assets, particularly in growth markets, which could be the Sun Belt, the Southeast, maybe the Mountain West. And so the landscape has been very competitive. And just recently now with interest rates increasing, uh, I think we may be in for a little bit of a shift of a market. So we've had four to five years of extremely high value growth, rent growth. And I suspect this may be changing just a bit. Uh, like, you know, raising and how exactly do you think it will impact, you know, uh, as an investor from uh, GP side and also LP. Uh, how it, higher interest rates will impact investing? Yes. Yes. So um, we all know, you know, with compressing cap rates, cash flow is very hard to come by. Generally, cash flow has been decreasing. And so certainly for in an environment with increasing interest rates, I think that's even going to make finding high cash flowing deals more difficult. So as a limited partner investor, um, I think your expectations on investments need to be altered a little bit where I think a little bit less cash flow is going to become standard. And so you may start to look for more of the total return of the deal through value add program and so forth. So as a limited uh, LP investor, increasing rates mean less cash flow, maybe slightly lower returns. But as, uh, as we all see in the stock market right now, uh, the stock market's maybe not a good place to have your, your capital. So uh, real estate is much less volatile. And even with a little bit lower cash flow, I think it's still a good place to have your money and your capital invested. And for general partners, uh, it makes finding suitable acquisitions even that much more difficult um, and the, you know, you have to stick with your criteria and, uh, it's going to make finding proper investments a little more difficult than it has been in the past. And of course it's been very competitive in the past. Uh, and so it may become even more difficult on the other hand, perhaps increasing interest rates will take some potential buyers, some potential syndicators out of the market. So the flip side of this would be, there may be perhaps less competition for every deal. And so that may benefit both a GP and an LP with a little bit more attractive pricing. So 
Um, this is all relatively new. Rates have jumped over the last 45 days. And I don't know yet that we've seen the full impact of these higher rates. I expect it'll probably take another couple months to kind of see precisely where we are at in the market. So it's an interesting time to be paying attention. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's an interesting time. Uh, uh, interest is definitely impacting, you know, investments, both for GP and LPs. Uh, thank you for sharing that, uh, Aran. Sure. And what's, the, what's your take on uh, multifamily investing next 12 to 18 months and how exactly you are planning that? Uh, yeah, great question. So uh, I'm still a buyer for multifamily. Uh, I believe multifamily is a solid investment for many reasons. Um, we have a housing shortage in this country. It's not going to change. Uh, and we particularly have a housing shortage of affordable housing. So while there may be many apartments being built, they're generally the fancy, very expensive class A kind of downtown apartment buildings. And there really isn't that much affordable housing being built. So I think there's still an opportunity for multifamily investors to purchase B and C class assets at the affordable price range. And there won't be much competition for any new construction. And so I think that's a good place to be. Um, so I'm still a buyer. I believe, as I've mentioned before, returns about ex expectations about returns should be adjusted a little bit. And I think what it also means is perhaps as an investor, you need to have a little bit longer term perspective uh, on your acquisition and your hold time. So, for example, over the last three or four years, the value of multifamily properties maybe been going up 20, 25, 35% a year, which allow an operator to flip a building in a relatively short period of time and provide a good return for their investors, where I don't think we're going to quite see that same price appreciation. So I think that's going to result in longer term holds uh, to it kind of achieve the desired investment returns. And uh, I've always been a long-term buy and hold investor. I believe it's a safe, secure way to invest. If you take a long-term perspective, long-term real estate's going to be up. And even if we run into a little bit of turbulence in the next 12 to 18 months in the form of inflation, higher interest rates, uh, what impact will higher interest rates have on the economy? The overall outlook for multifamily is good. So if you purchase good properties in good locations, properly leverage the deal and have cash reserves, you're going to be able to ride out a little bit of turbulence for the next 12 months. And then three, four years down the road, you'll be very happy you own that asset because I think after this next little period, we will be back in a period where prices and values are uh, increasing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And would you share any best experiences in the last nine months, Aaron? Yes. We, we recently acquired a building in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, where, where I live. 
And it was a 1984 kind of class B asset in a very nice neighborhood. The, the prior ownership, the person who sold us the property, didn't really manage the property effectively, perhaps did not pay enough attention to the quality of the tenants and or the condition of the property. And it goes hand to hand. You take care of the property, you get better tenants. You don't take care of the property, you get a little bit less desirable tenants. So we acquired this asset in December and a small 30 units. We've probably renovated six or seven units on the inside, but we've made massive improvements on the outside, uh, totally redid the landscaping, fixed it up, painted the exterior of the building. And so it looks fabulous. And what's really rewarding is We've had probably five or six tenants come up to myself, my partner, Brian, and our staff on site and kind of say to us, thank you so much for getting the building painted. Thank you for getting the landscaping done. Um, and so it's very rewarding when your customers, the tenants, appreciate your efforts and it's a win-win because we're providing a better place to live for our residents while also increasing the value of the property and also increasing the income. So it's a win for our investors. It's a win for our residents. And what I've discovered over my years in the business is Tenants are happy to pay rent when they feel they're getting some value for their dollar. So when an owner operator like you or myself is spending capital fixing up the building, the tenants see that and they have a better feeling about paying rent. And if and when you decide you need to raise the rents a little bit, they're far more happy about paying it because they actually see they have a better place to live. Uh, so improving these properties, making things better for our residents is really, you know, a good feeling. We're helping the community. And again, we're doing better for our investors. So it, it, it's a great feeling when you're able to help both the residents and investors. So uh, that building's going along great. And we look forward to continuing to improve it. Got it. Yep. So, and any challenging experiences you want to share? Oh, sure. So, um, anyone who's ever renovated their house or fixed up a rental, um, you always discover something unforeseen, right? Uh, there's an issue or damage that you don't expect. Uh, and, and so, on this, this property, the Townsend Summit we're talking about, when we got into it, uh, we discovered, say, more damage in the subfloor and floor joists than we expected. No big deal. We budgeted uh, ample CapEx reserve. It was an unanticipated problem, but since we had a healthy CapEx budget, uh, it's not a, a significant issue for the overall investment. But it was an unpleasant surprise that we had to replace the subfloor in five or six units. It just kind of goes with the territory. And so anytime you're upgrading a property, 
just be prepared for an unpleasant surprise or two. It happens. You just got to work through it. And so uh, that would be an unpleasant surprise when a little bit more work shows up on the property than you initially uh, initially anticipated. Yeah, got it. And so which one you prefer from lending point of your bridge or agency going forward? Well, yeah, that that's a great question. And like most tough questions in life, you can't have it both ways. And so with um, the debt market the way it is now, um, first, uh, with the increase in interest rates, that's lowering the loan to value or the loan to cost. So where before you could get bridge debt, 80% loan to cost, or you could get agency debt, 70 to 75% loan to value, I'm generally seeing those numbers cut by about 5%. So today with, with bridge debt, you might get 75% loan to cost. With agency debt, you might get 70 if you're lucky. And I'm underwriting a lot of deals where you get 65%. So uh, more down payment, more capital investment is being required. I'm kind of an old school guy. And so I always prefer long-term fixed rate debt, which would be your agency debt. Um, And so all things being equal, I'd rather get long term fixed rate debt with maybe a step down prepay and avoid the major prepayment issues with either yield maintenance or defeasance. Um, The problem with fixed rate debt right now in this market is if you can only get 60 percent LTV, you have to put 40 percent down to buy the property. And of course, every dollar that kind of gets invested in the purchase reduces the overall return of every dollar invested in that investment. So I think the question or the quandary most operators are facing today is, do they want to go with fixed rate debt, knowing they probably have to put another 10% down payment into the property, but they don't have to worry about interest rate increases? Or do you go with bridge debt, be able to buy the property with 25, 30% down instead of 40, but then have a concern about what's happening to interest rates? And so what I'm seeing in the market now is it's very hard to make a lot of deals work with fixed rate agency debt. So almost one is forced to take bridge debt Now, the only other one I would talk about, and I think it's going to gain popularity, is your commercial bank financing, which generally has been kind of frowned upon because you typically don't get the same number of years of interest only. But right now, for example, you could get a bank loan maybe at 4.75 fixed for five years, maybe get one year of interest only, uh, and then it goes to a 25-year amortization. So commercial bank financing is kind of a hybrid between the bridge debt that's floating and the agency fixed rate debt. 
Uh, but it's a little shorter term. You could probably get a little bit higher loan to value. So the last uh, apartment I bought, we actually went with uh, commercial bank debt, uh, maybe only 65% loan to value. It was a 10-year fixed rate note, uh, fixed for 10 years, 20-year amortization, but we got a rate of 3.95. And so my investors and I know for the next 10 years, we're going to be paying 3.95%. And in this market right now, that's kind of a comfortable feeling. So I'd encourage uh, potential investors, especially on the smaller five to $10 million deals to look at a local bank or credit union and see what you'd work out there, which might be a good, a good option to the bridge. Awesome. And thank yeah. you for sharing, you know, your perspective on agency bridge and hybrid, like commercial bank or credit unions. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that is getting more traction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That. Uh, any books uh, you recently read? Um, I would say uh, I, I have read a book called Passive Investing Made Simple uh, by Anthony Vicinio. And um, I would recommend that book uh, for passive investors. It's not a long read. It's straightforward. It breaks it down. And so uh, I think it's a great resource for potential passive investors to kind of help educate themselves. Of course, in addition to listening to podcasts and attending investment meetups and, and going to conferences and so forth. But if you're looking for kind of a simple primer on passive investing, I think that's a good one. Passive investing made simple. So I read through it to kind of double check my thinking about passive investing. And, and I thought the book was good. So I do recommend it. Good, good. And how can listeners can connect with you, Aaron? Sure. So uh, my business is Spark Investment Group. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Website is investwithspark, S-P-A-R-K dot com. Uh, email is arn, A-R-N at investwithspark.com. Uh, reach out. Happy to talk real estate and happy to help in any way I can. Thank you very much, Aaron. Awesome. And thank you for sharing your perspective on current market situation and you know, predicting a multifamily next 12 months, 12 to 18 months, and also your perspective on lending. Thank you. You're welcome. Pleasure, Rama. Happy to help. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time.